G'day punters and welcome to Inside 50. As per usual, Nick Quinn and Shane Crawford here. And your special guest this week, a 261-game premiership hero from the Sydney Swans. A very warm welcome to Ted Richards. Welcome, Ted. Thanks for having me, Nick. Thanks, Croft. That's a lot of games. It is a lot of games. <laughs> Can't remember them all. Now, Ted, I don't like to do this, but I've got a bone to pick with yep. you. I was listening to a podcast recently and you stole my favourite gag because whenever I say I'm doing the podcast with Shane Crawford or Jimmy Bartel, I say between us lots of Brownlows and lots of Premiership medallions and you pinched the exact same gag when working with Chris Judd. So obviously you're a very funny man. Yeah, well, I don't think we're just the... uh, (laughs) (laughs) Have you used that gag? It's it's hard to get votes playing in the back end of a ground. Oh, well... uh, How many votes did you get in the Brownlow? Did you get a few? I got double digits. Did you? As a defender? As a defender, yeah. That's pretty amazing. Yeah, thanks. I just, like, I think it was 11 or something. But, yeah, uh, that's great. I got a couple of um, threes, which I was, yeah. As a full back or, or centre half back, or did you push up the um, field a bit? I can't remember, but. Um, <laughs> Make <laughs> it up. Yeah. It's a midfielder's award, though, isn't it? It is. Um, there was one game, I'm sure we're not meant to be talking about my Brownlow history on the, on the show, but there was one game, uh, uh, Swans were playing uh, Saints over in um, uh, New Zealand. I think it was like the first game over there. And I was playing on Rewalt, and um, uh, I got the three votes out of that game. And um, he finished with eight. No, he, he finished with two. But for a while there, I could say that I've got the uh, the most Brownlow votes in the history of the game outside of Australia. That is true. <laughs> Unfortunately, they played there again. Though. <laughs> I know. Yeah, and I didn't poll. Now, Ted, we're here to talk about your footy career, and you started off as a young bloke going around with the Sandringham Zebras. Were you always a good footballer? Always above average? Yeah, I, yeah, I, I, I um, arrogantly, I'll, I'll say yes. Um, so you've mentioned a name before, Chris Judd. Um, so Chris and I grew up in the in the same street, Fernhill Road in um, Sandringham, and we played junior footy together at, at the Zebras. So there was a lot of um, I got second in the best and fairest a lot growing up because uh, yeah, Chris, Chris would take it. Was it was it true that they had a Chris Judd rule uh, a few years uh, after he went? Because he used to get the ball from fullback, and then it's probably you passing it to him, and then he would bounce the whole way down the field, dodging, weaving, kick the goal. So all of a sudden, the league said, "No, we need to bring in this Chris Judd rule where you can only bounce it twice." Is that true? Yeah, yeah. there, there is, there is truth to that. But Chris, to his, um, to his, you know, his, uh, what he would do is he he'd do the two bounces, and he would he would run at a player. And do the shortest handball ever, and I'd give it back. <laughs> he, he seriously would. He'd run, like he'd run yep. to a, a, an East Sandy player by himself, do the you know, do the two bounces, get some territory, handball, and before you've, you've even received it, he'd be saying, "Give it back to me." And well, he, but, yeah. but you know what? I, I look. You may look at that as being selfish. I look at that. He's including his teammates into the game. <laughs> <laughs> no, so he was doing the same thing, just getting more possessions yeah. along the way. Was yeah. he always that outstanding? Was he always head and shoulders above the rest? Yeah, he was. So um, we both got picked to get, um, play in the Victorian team when we were fifteen, and um, uh, played up in Cairns. And I can remember Chris just turned it on at that at um, at that, and he, you know, he really. Just seemed to get better and better every year, and um, uh, when you look back at it, you go, "Why?" You know, in time, you go, "Why did he get get picked at pick number three? Because he he was a big standout." But to be fair, you had Luke Hodge and and Luke Ball, Ball, all right too. Yeah, (laughs) I I know. At the time, there was so much discussion around all those players, and all of them are wonderful players. But what what a tough thing to do to try and pick from three really 
really good players, great citizens, great role models. And they call the super draft for a reason. The three names you just mentioned, all unbelievable players. And Ted Ridges. You yourself, he was a different draft. <laughs> yeah. I, oh, you I, came a year later. I, I qualified to be picked up as a 17-year-old the year before. And, oh. um, uh, yeah, lucky enough to get picked up that year. So having Chris Judd a, a year as senior to you growing up in the footy and him going the year before you in the draft, did that remind you how close you were to being an elite player because you saw him dominate at the juniors and you were coming second to him in the club best and fairest you played for Victoria? Having that barometer, was that a good mark of where you need to get to? Uh, yeah, yes and no. Like, you know, Chris and I, we played a, a lot of junior footy together, but there, there were others too. And um, it's funny... Crawford, and I'm, I'm sure you'll, you'll be aware of this too. There, there are players that, like I played against when I was 15, 16, that I thought, you know, were possibly even even better than Chris. I, I'm going to say a name here that some may remember is Dylan Smith. I played Dylan got our ended up getting picked up by the Kangaroos in the 2000 draft, pick six. Dylan was an absolute freak. Like I, I played school footy with Luke Ball, who went pick two. You know, Chris Judd picked three. I'd put Dylan right up there. And um, unfortunately, Dylan, for, for whatever reason, didn't go on to have that, that, that career. And um, so it it's doesn't always, what you see at a junior level doesn't always play out. How old were you when you thought, hang on, I'm good enough to play AFL footy? Um, it was probably, probably when I was 14, I got picked up in the, in the, the, the Vic, first Vic team. And that's where, you know, I was a, a big fish in a small pond in, in, you know, my part of East Sandy at the Zebras there and, you know, probably, you know, getting challenged against the kids in surrounding suburbs. But when you're kind of getting picked to represent a team that represents a state, I, that was probably the first time where I thought, uh, if I apply myself here, I'm, I'm a legitimate chance of, of having a career. And you went to go to Xavier and you played some good school footy there. How different was that compared to the Sandy Dragons experience? Yeah, um, yeah school footy was good fun. and um, But I was always aware that, um, it will be the TAC Cup that, that gets me drafted. Um, I am very grateful to my time at Xavier and, 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 and um, the mates and the, the coaches that I received there, but I, I did butt heads with the coach there a bit about kind of... Was where, it Wayne Reed? was it? It, it was Wayne. <laughs> we have yeah. Jackie some here as sometimes the guest on this no, podcast. We'll have to bring that yeah, up. Yeah, so <laughs> wait, wait. I, Wayne dropped me a few times. Uh, <laughs> it, it was hard back then because there wasn't that relationship yeah. like now where yeah. it's it's very organised and structured for those players who are possibly a chance to be drafted. So they're very cautious about the way they do it. Whereas back then, it's like school footy was everything. And then, you know, you go elsewhere and you give that a go. So I can understand from a coaching point of view, especially when you've got your best players going out of your team, you get very frustrated. Yeah, well, I, I, I wanted to get drafted. And um, there was a bit where uh, in the school holidays, we had a practice game for the for school. And I was like, you know, school footy, school practice game, or, you know, play against, you know, f- for the Sandy Dragons against Oakley Chargers, you know, that's where I want to be. So I told uh, our coach at the time, so we're going on a family holiday, I can't, can't make the game. And, you know, it's school holiday, yes. so he's like, yeah, yeah, no worries. And um, went out and ran out for the, for the Dragons and um, proceeded to get in the best. Yeah. <laughs> and back then it was, you know, in the paper, uh, even though it was Tack Cup. And, um, yeah, Wayne saw that and dropped me. 
So, so that was the reason you got dropped. It wasn't bad discipline. It no, wasn't well, not playing well enough. It was just telling a porky pie. So, so, some of the other... I, I got dropped for reading Macbeth in a team meeting, which I won't go into now. But, <laughs> but, uh, but um, and it was, which was comical in that um, he accused me for it and uh, I, I wasn't. But uh, anyway, that's, that's, uh, that's a story by the by. <laughs> it's funny you say that, though, because a lot of the private schools make the private school footy the priority and then play the Tech Cup as the secondary, but it was the other way around for you. Well, yeah, it's like like Shane outlined that um, back then there was no kind of definitive line in the sand um, and it was a bit subjective as to kind of how you were going to get drafted and, and possibly recruiters weren't coming to school footy at the level they are right now. But um, And I wanted to, to do my do my best to put my you know best foot forward and um yeah anyway if I had my time again maybe I would have done a few things differently I don't think so I think it panned out pretty well the way you uh, did it you ended up getting drafted to Essendon with pick 27 in the national draft can you remember that night clearly yeah I can for for many reasons uh one of which was the night before the game uh the draft Greg Miller from um from the Kangaroos who was at the Kangaroos at the time um came around to mum and dad's house and um dropped off some kangaroo gear and said, listen, uh, we're going to pick you up in the draft tomorrow. Really? We've got a new sponsor in Russell Athletic. Um, uh, there's going to be a camera uh, where, you, where you're situated. So when we say your name, can you get the kangaroo's gear um, as quick as possible on so we, we get that exposure? And I, 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 was, I was pumped. Like, you know, to, 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 to go into a, a draft and think, yep. oh, I'm, one, I'm going to get picked up, but two, I'm going to get to stay in Melbourne because I was, you know, a 17-year-old kid and, wanted to well and truly stay in my comfort zone. And um, so I highlighted the, all the kangaroos picks and um, um, I think kangaroos had one in the late twenties or early thirties that I'd pro- possibly had my eye on as to kind of when they were going to be next. And then um, Adrian Dodoro and Essendon read my name out and, and to be fair, I lost my shit because I was an Essendon, I was an Essendon fan. Oh wow. Oh, yeah, so yeah. when it was their turn, were you hoping it would be you? Nah, well, I, I just... I'd met with Essendon and you know met with Sheeds, but I, to be honest, I, I didn't think that that was that was probably going to be um, likely compared to the ruse. What did you do with the North Melbourne apparel? <laughs> yeah, I gave, I, still got it. <laughs> I gave it to a mate. Well, you got to the Bombers, and I think it's safe to say you got there as they were just starting to go down the top of the mountain because they had had that great three years prior to you getting to the club, but you had four years there where they finished. Fifth, made the second week of the finals. Eighth, made the second week of the finals. And then eighth and made the second week of the finals. And then in 2005, the wheels fell off. Essendon finished 13th in what would prove to be your last season with the club. There's a few things I can speak to about going to Essendon. One I touched on before, uh, I was a big Essendon fan growing up. And um, in hindsight, I probably went there with not a, a great attitude in that I was incredibly disciplined. I was a hard worker, but... I was a fan. I was in awe of these guys that I looked up to. So instead of looking at James Hurd, Scotty Lucas, Matthew Lloyd and going, stuff you, I don't care who you are and what you did last year, I'm going to take your spot. I was like, how about we catch up for a coffee? You know, you know I just wanted to be their mates. And um, um, so that, that's something that I wanted to speak to um, about um, that, that did over time, that that attitude did shift in that you know we're we're in a ruthless industry and I've, I've, I can't be can't be thinking like that. But um, I made a lot of great mates. Um, there are some fantastic role models, but um, Sheeds and I just 
we just didn't see eye to eye when it came to selection. Like we kind of got along Monday to Thursday, but then when it came to match selection, Sheeds would want to go a different path. And then after, so with after four and a half years there, like you know, in my, in my last year, my fifth year, I I made the call. I was going to move at the end of the year. So what was the issue? What did he want you to do, and what did you want to do? I don't think he rated me as a footballer. It's, it's not what did he want me to do. Well, he probably just wanted me to play better. But I was playing every week for the Bendigo Bombers. And um, there were people that were getting picked ahead of me that I thought I deserved a, a, a spot in. and um, Which happens a lot. Yeah. You, which, which, a lot. you know, footy's subjective. And, and, and um, um, yeah, so I made the call that, you know, so I'm, I'm moving and, and Essendon said, no, nah, we'll, nah, listen, we'll give you a one-year deal. And I was like, no, 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 I'm out of here. And they're going, two-year deal? And I said, no, 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 like, I'm, I'm, I'm done. And then they've gone, well, we want a first-round draft pick. And I was like, <laughs> what? <laughs> like, I'm playing for Bendigo Bombers here, you know. And um, um, so there was a bit of an interesting trade discussions, you know. And um, where, for, for, where were you thinking? Were you thinking Sydney all along, or you wanted to go to a different state, or you like I, maybe I, back to North Melbourne and use that <laughs> jumper that they gave you? <laughs> I I was twenty two at the time, so still pretty keen like to stay in the comfort zone. And and conversations with Rocket and the dogs were going quite well. And um, my manager at the time said, "Listen, um, Swan's keen to chat with you." You know, this is, this is um, like uh, September two thousand and five. I've gone, they've got a grand final in four days. And they've gone, no, they really want you to fly up today and they want to meet with you. So I was like, you know what? I'll go up there. I'll go through the motions, but I'm pretty keen just to stick with the dogs, you know, just, you know, stay living in Melbourne. And Anyway, I flew up there just to do a day trip and I met with Paul Ruse, John Longmire, Andrew Island and like the whole Sydney coach. George Stone? Did you meet with George Stone George ever down here? Uh, no, I didn't meet with, with George Stone down here, but... um. Anyway, so I sat in, in this room and I was just so impressed. I, they, they spoke to how they wanted me, the role that they wanted me to play, and it was everything that I didn't have at Essendon. I didn't have this, you know, this this role, this focus. And um, it was a bit when I was at Essendon, it was a bit like, listen, we could get you in on the bench and maybe you could pinch it here and you can do a bit here. And whereas the Swans are like, we want we want someone to be that person that's going to roam wing to wing you know play key forward above Barry Hall Mickey O'Deefe Ryan O'Keefe the workhorse walking down to the back line and I was like shit that's me this is <laughs> this is a grand finalist talking about this get get me involved so um um yeah I said listen get me to the Swans sorry Rocket <laughs> um uh and Swans to their credit, came to the party with the uh, the first round draft pick, which I was incredibly embarrassed that they were ask, um, Essendon were asking for. Well, it was a great decision that they did do that. What was it specifically that Sydney liked about you that they wanted you to get to the club for? Yeah, it was so um, identifying a role in the forward line that, uh, to be honest, I, I never actually <laughs> fulfilled for them. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, yeah, Mickey O'Deep. Barry Hall, this is back when kind of forward lines were a bit more stay at home and um, they wanted a leading forward to kind of, yeah, work kind of Chris Tarrant style leading, you know, wing to wing. And and I was like, I'd, I'd, I'd done that in patches at Essendon and they're like, we've seen you, you be able to do this. We want we want you to um, to add that. And um, I was like, 
Yes. Yep. So what are your memories of 2005 Grand Final Day where the Swans broke the Premiership drought dating back to 1933? On one side, we are like, this is amazing, I'm going to go here. On the other side, you think, gee, I might be rocking up to the party after midnight. <laughs> yeah, you're exactly right. So I I was um, – a trade hadn't gone through. I was just – you know, I want to get to the Swans. So I was just watching that game as, as, a, as a fan and um, had a few drinks and I can remember watching that game. But it, it was probably, um, yes, yeah, it wasn't until kind of when the trade went through in trade period that it became real that I was moving up there. Was there a slight bit of you going, this might not be a good idea because I might have just missed the premiership? Or were you hoping on the back of that there'll be plenty to come? Yeah, it was probably the, the, the former, the first thing in that, um, the two clubs that I played for, I um, Essendon and the Swans, my first season at both was them coming off a premiership. <laughs> so, and I'd seen Essendon kind of drop off after the 2000 premiership and I'd seen what Darren Jolly had done when he went from Melbourne to, to the Swans in 2005 and win a premiership in his first year. And I was like, you know, if I could do that, like that, that is just the ultimate and we almost did. We almost did. So, um, yeah, went up there in 2006 and... and um, it was uh, close. It was, yeah, it was, it was close. But going back to 205, it's funny because it's, it's such a fine line because we all could have almost been teammates because I met with Sydney a month earlier uh, before the grand final and because they won, I decided no. I thought no. Of course, I didn't know. So it's it's amazing. We could have been teammates. Such a fine line. You decide winning doesn't worry me. And for me, it was like, mm, no, I think I'm going to stay here. They've won their flag, and now it's time to concentrate and try and get things going back here again. Ah, well, um, so that, that, that's that's why your your name was at the top of the contract that uh, they offered. <laughs> 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 a pie and sauce for me. Oh, oh, I just oh, wanted oh, to go oh, to a different. There's a chill in the air, but the footy's heating up. And so is Tab's Same Game Multi, where you can combine your favourite AFL markets, like head-to-head, anytime goal scorer and total disposals, all in the one bet to get bigger odds. It's available all season long on the Tab app and website. Build your AFL Same Game Multi with Tab today. Tab, long may we play. Available online for Tab account customers only. Gamble responsibly. Call Gambler's Help, 1800 858 858. We talk about the Bloods culture and, you know, even to this day, the Sydney Swans, is a, they're a great football club. Sydney's a, a great place to go and visit for anyone from Melbourne going to Sydney. It's such a beautiful place. So how did you adapt to that? How did you take to Sydney life? Um, well, the, there's two things I'll, I'll speak to there. You know, one's Sydney life and one's, one's the Bloods culture. So Sydney life for me was, was exciting because um, being a footballer and, and um, it's, it's always – something that's never kind of really sat well, you know, and having, being recognised and up there that, that you know, certainly of, of someone of, of um, um, it, it, it wasn't, didn't happen and I could just um, live, a, live a life up there and you might have a shocker on the weekend, a bad loss, but life goes on and, you know, like, who cares, let's focus in on the, on the week in, in, you know, the week, next week coming up. So I, I, I really did enjoy it and, um, Tried to get into surfing and everything like that, and and lived down in Bondi there for a while. And, and yeah, life's tough. Hey? Yeah, you know, had a, had a, had a lot of fun. Were uh, you a surfer before you went there? No, nah, I wasn't. No, no. Nah, nah. So, um, um, <laughs> so you were shark bait. Yeah, <laughs> just but, sitting out there, yeah, catching a wave. But you know, it's I. Anyway, had a, had a lot of fun, in, you know, in the 
the, the 12 years, 11 years that I was up there and I, I, pro- I thought that I was going to stay up there um, afterwards. But going back to the other part of your question about the Bloods, I can remember something that happened very early on when I joined um, the Swans and we had this team meeting and Brett Kirk asked me to um, stand up in front of the group and he goes, I've just got, got some questions for you. And um, I go, yeah, yeah, no worries, Kirky, whatever. And uh, he goes, what a what a resident think of the swans and I'm like what do you mean like you know he goes do they think we're weak do they think if they push us we'll give in and I I had no idea where these questions were coming from I was like did I say something like what's going on here and and yeah he just kept on coming at me with these questions about how the swans were perceived by the opposition and and I could speak to by um uh, my history at Essendon and after, after this weird meeting, I kind of asked some questions, going, what the hell just happened there? And they're like, well, the, the, the Bloods culture has all come about in 2002, 2003, when, they, when you know, the likes of Stewie Maxfield and, and Brett Kirk became aware of how they were perceived by other teams. And that was, if you push the Swans, after a while, they'll just give up. They are not resilient. Um, if you just got to, you just got to keep at them. They're not tough. And they're like, we are, we are gonna, we are gonna fix this. And I was like, that conversation, that meeting was three years ago. You've won the flag, and you are still paranoid about this perception. And I was like, I've come to a, I've come to a great club. So that that was that's something that resonates for me in terms of when I when I knew that um, I'd, I'd come to a great place. And was it factual? At- the Bombers, were you talking about Sydney like that or have they sort of half invented in their head and they were running with it despite themselves? No, 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 no. Like, certainly Essendon didn't think about that. Um, um, yeah, you know, the Swans were the premiership team. For, for a while, you know, I suppose, you know, you, you could consider yourself, you know, when you play the Swans, you could consider yourself as a team, oh, we can get on top of them, we can run them into the ground. But during the 2000s, like Sydney Swans, they were the ones you hated playing because you just knew that they would turn into a man-on-man game. They would never give up. And that Bloods culture was thick right through, um, you know, especially to this day. Crawford, you, know, you probably got tagged by Kirky, Benny Matthews. Um, Kissed by Brett Kirk many a time when we uh, went on an Irish trip. But he's a very passionate man. <laughs> he is. He's, he's a great fella. Yeah. He, I know he's coaching uh, the Sydney Swans now, but yeah. he's such a passionate person, yeah. very lovable, very good. But yeah. when it's, you know, man on man and we're going to go get that footy, he just will never give up. Yeah, and and we we'd, we'd normally identify players like yourself and go, you know, Kirky's going head-to-head with Croft, but at the same time, Croft's got to get through 18 of us as well. And it was just our job to make sure that you had a tough day. And um, yeah, we all had those roles and we'd focus in and, and um, drew a lot of satisfaction at the end and, and celebrate the roles that the likes of Kirky did. You know, he might walk off the ground with 11 disposals, but if he he made it hard for you, Croft, that was huge for us. Yeah. yeah. Ted, tell us about the 2006 Grand Final, your first year at Sydney and the Swans up against West Coast, the team they had defeated 12 months earlier. What was it like, the lead-up to the big one? Yeah, it's for, for people that you know can, can remember back then, we had this rivalry that had been created with the Swans and West Coast over the course of 
a few years. Um, you know, probably started in that 2005 grand final. Um, the famous game where Mickey O kicked the goal in the, I think it might have been a prelim, and you know gave it gave it back to the crowd. Yeah, you we know, love the, that. yeah, yeah, footage, fantastic. yeah, yeah, great footage, all in good fun, of yeah. course. Yeah, <laughs> and um, yeah, this kind of this rivalry where every game didn't, you know, it was always just decided by one kick. We we kind of knew going into the game, it was going to be another one of those, and it was. Um, it was an incredibly hard game. I was a Still pretty young, inexperienced, what, 23-year-old and playing, I don't know, maybe my 40th, 50th game in, in a grand final. And who, who, did, who did you play on? Because you have a midfield of Kerr, your good mate, cousin, uh, you know, Judd, Judd, and yeah. Ben Cousins as well. So who do you take from a, you know, a forward point of view? Yeah, it was, it was weird in that, like, I started the game on the wing. You oh, know, you? Yeah, I, I never played on the wing <laughs> in my life. And I, and I started on Embley. Yeah. And um, um, who, by the way, went on to win the Norm Smith. <laughs> but anyway, well, um, uh, anyway, I was going okay, um, but we got hit by injuries throughout the game, where and where players needed to stay on. And um, there were some guys that were going quite well. Um, Chick um, and Leo did his hamstring down back, but he had to stay on and and, and play at full back because he couldn't go off. So the, for most of the game, I kind of um, went down the back line, but I, I found myself in the forward line for a bit. And it was just this this weird game where uh, just this weird arm wrestle. And, um, you know... Um, so it might have been, if you don't have those injuries, there's every chance they almost go back to back. Well, who knows? Like you know, I, I know it's a fine line. Yeah. But when you think about it that way, obviously he's throwing players around. You got players out there who's yeah. done his hamstring, yet yeah. he's still out on the field. That's unheard of. Like I can remember, I I got moved down back in like the last quarter, and Leo came up to me and said, "Listen, just giving you a heads up. I've done my hammy, so um, if you can, just give me a, a, a chop out because I'm I'm struggling to sprint." <laughs> Which like, is fair enough. Yeah, I'm just fair enough, and, I, and I'm like, yeah, no worries. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah um, and, like, and that's that's just what it was because, yeah, we 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 were we were just doing what you can, and you know, I'm I'm not saying like they probably had similar examples. Whereas I think if it was if it went to a draw and we had to come back the next week, I think both teams had guys that weren't going to be able to front up the next week. What was it like after the game? Was it devastation throughout the club or was there a sense of optimism about the great two years, one premiership and one oh so close? Uh, yeah, it's it's a hard one in that um, yeah, you've lost a grand final. We went in at half time and we were we were down by a fair bit. I think we were down by six goals or something like that. Rusey gave a a, a fantastic speech about listen, we, we we can't end on this note and, and we came back and we hit the lead at, at, at times. So I, I'm not saying you can draw satisfaction from a, a losing grand final and the fact that you know, when you lose it, it hurts even more than finishing ninth or whatever. But um, uh, I think I think there was a level of... Uh, I don't, I, there, was, there was frustration and, and hurt, but... Um, I think if you, when you reflect on your career, if, if someone certainly this didn't apply to me, but had won one the year before, it, it probably 
didn't hurt as much. Might have softened the blow yeah. somewhat. So things are going well for you up at the Sydney Swans, and in 2009, you run into a Carlton side, and unfortunately, Brendan Favola got you in an incident that could have ended your career. Yeah, so Fev, um, we're, getting, we're getting smacked by Carlton, and... Uh, just didn't happen too much. Um, it's happening at the moment. <laughs> Croft, like, you'll, you'll probably remember these. Like, you know, with with ten fifteen minutes to go in the game, you, you're already, you know, the spray is coming. So I was probably trying to do whatever I can to to try and uh, soften the blow. So there was a bit where I, I probably, you know, unnecessarily ran back with the flight. You know. <laughs> 10 minutes to go and we're down by 15 goals. Like it was, you know, it's going to achieve nothing. Stupidity. Yeah, absolute stupidity. <laughs> but it's just trying to um, ensure that I didn't get um, too much coming my way. Anyway, um, Fev, Fev, uh, Fev got me. I, I left myself pretty exposed and um, his knee went through my ribs. Um, had seven breaks of the ribs. Really? Pun- pun- seven? Se- punctured lung. I didn't realise you could do seven breaks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um, <laughs> and, yeah, so I had to go to hospital and, and spend a week in hospital. And, um, um, and you know, by far the most painful injury um, I, I ever had. And, you know, like... So punctured lung as punctured, well, punctured, punctured lung, yeah. And, like, the, the lung is... It's like a bag and that fills with oxygen. And, and when, when it punctures, you know, the bag gets smaller. It, it fills with blood. So, you know, I, was, I went down to um, breathing from, from just the one lung for a while. And, and what they've got to do is they've got to, they've got to chop a hole through your ribs to, to put a tube in to be able to kind of suck the blood out. And um, um, anyway, so, yeah, so I had, I had to have this week, this week in hospital with this, you know, this little vacuum cleaner thing stuck through my, rib, um, my, my ribs and... You know, it was like that painful and, and I just mentally just got me because, you know, you can't laugh, you can't turn. And I think I was in day three or day four of the hospital and um, um, I knew my season was, was done and everything like that because there's no way I was going to be able to get back. And in walks the nurse or the doctor with like a, um, a stationary bike and they just put it at the end of my bed and I was like, what, what, what's this? And they've gone, oh, Swan's just asked, like, can we just put a bike in your room? You know, just if you want to tick the legs over from time to time. And I was Are you like, serious? What? Yes. And, um, That's so unheard of. Oh, yeah, anyway. So, a, <laughs> like, I don't know if you ever remember Wide Water Sports, Rick Disnick, when he runs in the gymnastics and he hits the pommel horse. Oh, yeah. And then they do a funny take, but he, he broke every rib under the sun. Oh. Uh, how on earth can you expect someone with seven breaks in their ribs, you've yeah. got a punctured lung, still had to the, look at still the still exercise the bike and think, I might pump out 10Ks today, see how I go. Yeah, still had the pipe <laughs> going through my ribs. Um, <laughs> Did you get on it? I got on it once just to see what it was like because, you know, anyway. Anyway, it was a funny week in hospital. There's a lot I can speak to about what happened there um, for, for a variety of reasons. Um, Pro- uh, probably the biggest thing out of it all, did you get a spray from Paul Ruse about the weekend's game before <laughs> you were worried about copying. No, but <laughs> the, the funniest spray I ever copped was um, 2003 or 2004. We were playing um, Geelong in like a semi-final and Tom Harley got me. It was a, it was a, you know, we were both kind of similar to that David McKay um, yep. um, hip and shoulder that happened last weekend. Anyway, um, I got I got knocked out, con- con- concussed and carried off. And I can remember, like, I was on a stretcher downstairs in the rooms, and it was half time. 
And Sheets walks in and gave me a spray. Going, didn't you see him coming? <laughs> <laughs> and I can remember lying there going, I've got no idea what's happening here. I've got no idea what day of the week it is or anything like this, but I've got enough smarts to go, don't talk back. And just, and I had to kind of speak, uh, find out, go, what? So tell, tell me what that was all what about. What a hard coach, hey? Oh. Really, when you think about someone's on a stretcher, <laughs> you're half dead, and then he's abusing you. <laughs> yeah, I think there was a bit of venting going on that we were, we were down by a fair bit at half time there. After the Favola incident, how hard was it to come back both physically and mentally? Um, it was it, something happened in pre-season that was great in that um, uh, it was like an intra-club practice game. You know, it was somewhere Goodsy cleaned me up um, at training. Are you and, happy with that? And it, it was, it, what was great is my ribs stood up. Yep. They, they copped the hit and I was like, you know, he, he, he's 100 kilos. He hit me hard. If that didn't break it, I'm good. So it was, it was exactly what I needed. And from there, I, I kind of got on with it. Now, we're looking back at lots of highlights in your career, but one year that had more ups and downs than all the others was probably 2010. Tell us about some of the struggles from that season. Swans got off to a bit of a shocker at the start of the year. And um, in 2010, I got dropped. And I can remember looking at the drawer and I, Swans had some pretty easy wins coming up. And I was like, it's going to be hard to get into this. And I just couldn't get my way back in. I was on the bus, you know, in the Neeful, busting down to Canberra and... I was out of contract at the end of the year and I, I can remember thinking, I'm done here. Um, I asked my manager to scope out if there'd be any interest in uh, Gold Coast taking me and uh, Gold Coast very quickly came Keep back. Keep moving up the, up the top yeah, of the yeah, country. Yeah, yeah, Gold Coast <laughs> ca- ca- um, very quickly came back and said, um, thanks, but no thanks. And I can remember going, I don't even have any players in this. I mean, <laughs> like, where, 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 am I, where am I at? Like, I think they had like three on the books. I'm like, you got 40 spots. And um, yeah, I thought I was done. So I had plans that I was going to move to Sweden. Uh, my I, I'd older brother living over there, I inquired about um, doing a masters over there. Um, oh, not I, not to play footy over there. Well, there, there is a um, he. My, he does play. In, he, well, he did play in the SAFL for the uh, the the mighty Solnar Axman. Shout out to all, uh, all the uh, Swedish listeners in there that are um, uh, listening in. Um, but um, um, I, I like I, I thought footy was going to be done with me as opposed to um, me retiring or anything like that. And, um, yeah, it kind of got to, like, round 14 or 15. I was still all in with footy, but, you know, just couldn't break back into the team, even though I was going okay. But then, you know, we all need a bit of luck in life. Craig Bolton got injured, who is the, um, you know, the, the, the great centre back for the Swans and meant that I got a, another gig and got back into the team. And, and that got me another one-year deal. And it's from there, kind of my career. I, I make some, made some changes, and um, that was, was from there. My career just took off. Two thousand and twelve, such a very special year. Can you pinpoint one or two things that you did really well that led to such a standout performance that season? Yeah, I, I focused. So going back to like that, sh- where I thought I was done, I got the the extra one year deal. I thought I've got to make some changes here, and one of the areas I was, I identified two areas. I've got to get bigger. I'm going to be the. I'm going to aim to be the best and a half back in the competition. This is going to be my goal. No more of of trying to be playing little bits here and there. Um, so I had real focus on that, and I was I was going to embrace visualization. So before every game, I would sit down in the park at Central uh, Centennial Park in Sydney and just play the game. 
What a and beautiful park that is. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, 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 it's very uh, rare that you have horses yes. galloping past, cyclists riding past, people running. It is, you know, yeah, it's, it's one of the great parks. It, if you've never been there before when you're in Sydney, Quinny, go to Centennial Park. Yep. Um, and you can see uh, Ted there visualising <laughs> yes. the game before uh, yeah. the game. <laughs> so, yeah, Nick, to kind of um, speak to that, I, it was it was the mental side. I I would go into games 2011, 2012, you know, from then on, and it was like I'd seen the movie before. I was like Nick Rewalt, Pavlich, um, listen, I know you're a gun, but I'm going to beat you today. And don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that's how it always played out, but it um, it was great for me. And, um, you know, I wouldn't really speak about it at the time because, you know, even though it's, we're only talking 10 years ago, people didn't really speak about going over that mental, visual aspect of the game. It was always about, you know, you know, doing weights and being tough and being hard, you know, physically, but it was great for me. The lead-up to the grand final itself, both teams had had really good seasons, but most experts are with the Hawks. Were you guys more confident than a lot of people gave you credit for? Are you talking about in the grand final? or Leading up or, to the grand final. Leading final. up to the grand final, sorry. Yeah. Uh, well, we always had a level of self-belief in ourselves and that we could do it because people, no one gave us a chance all year. People forget that you know in 2011, Horse was coaching for the first time um, he'd overtaken, he'd taken over from Ruse, and I think a lot of people really didn't think that we were anywhere near, um, you know, challenging for a premiership. And the fact that we got in fourth was um, possibly people thought were a bit was a bit lucky, but you know, we we, we had that self belief. But personally, it was it was the most challenging game that I went into over my whole career in that I, I did my syndesmosis the week before. I wanted to ask you about this because yes. um, I've got to come out and tell the truth here because I was doing Auskick uh, with the AFL, so I'd obviously have to go along to the grand final parade and I'd march with all the kids. I'm about their size, yeah. but, um, <laughs> but I'd march with all the kids. But I was out the back when... Uh, the Sydney Swans, you guys come walking past, and then the Hawks come past, and you guys just hover before you get presented to the crowd. And I saw you. I was I was just virtually sitting behind a tree. I was virtually by myself. I might have been on my phone or whatever. Yeah. And I saw you walk past, and you had the biggest limp I've ever seen. I'm like, there is no way that Ted Richards is going to play in a grand final from what I've just seen. Because you cannot walk like that and then 24 hours later run and play. Because you weren't just playing on anyone. You were playing on Buddy Franklin. Yeah, yeah. So I'm like, so much so that I went to the coach and I said, just saw Ted Richards. He can hardly walk. If he plays on Buddy, Buddy has to run and run and run. Yeah. And I remember having that conversation. I'm thanks, thinking. Thanks, Croft. <laughs> thanks, thanks, mate. No, and then obviously. Well, he did, he did what, run. He did. And then I did radio the next day and it was the most inspiring, even though the Hawks didn't win, and mm. I, I know I'm jumping the gun, but it was the most inspiring um, team performance with the Sydney Swans because you had players down yourself. Adam Goods was yeah. on one leg. Uh, you know, you saw Ryan O'Keefe just pushing himself. to. It, it was, at the end of it, I just went, wow, that is determination. That is gut-wrenching right to the very end. And if anything, you set Hawthorne on their on their path after that because you sort of ambushed them. Oh well, <laughs> very kind of you to say that. Course, no, it's, it's true. Oh, it's one of the the things that really sits with me. Oh, thanks. Yeah, so you're right. Yeah, kind of what I touched on before. You know, 
not everything's flying when you make it to a grand final. Not everyone's feeling, you know. So tell us about the injury going into the grand final. So there's no doubt, the way you were walking the day before, it was almost like you're going to have to chop your leg off. So how do you get yourself to play in a grand final on a Buddy Franklin? Um, Yeah, I was incredibly nervous. So um, I've I've hurt the uh, syndesmosis, which is the the small little muscle or tendon between your tib-fib joint just above your ankle. And... um, it had been strained, so um, my ankle had no. Oh, wait! It was inc- incredibly painful, but I, I couldn't push off the leg, and it was painful to walk. And the, but the physios and the doctors said, "Ted, we can get you through this game. Uh, what we'll do is we'll just we'll jab it up every thirty minutes, and that it'll be good for that. So every thirty minutes, so like before the game, quarter time, half time, three quarter time, we'll just keep jabbing it up, and we'll just lock it up with, with, like, with tape, <laughs> oh, and, and, and like." And I was like, "What?" And we're going. We'll be able to do this. And I'm like, "Come play them, buddy." Like, he like I'm gonna have like a numb ankle, you know. And and to be and I'm playing on arguably the so most. I, I've never heard of that. I've never I've heard of pain killing injections, and uh, but I've never had heard of someone having every half an hour a pain killing injection. You know, it, it was and you know to to be you know buddy played really well, um, but um, I played my role on the day and um, as a part of something and, and, and Croft, like, you know, you're very, you know, everything you achieve, but you know, you've been part of a premiership too. And it's, it's funny, like. That, that win was incredible. Oh. That, that was because I don't know what was wrong with Adam Goods, but. He, he, PCL, he was, PCL, I think it was in yeah, his so knee. His yeah. knee was good. You were on one leg. There was a few others as well. So it, you don't win grand finals when you've got players injured like that. It just doesn't happen. Oh well, you know, I um, I, what made me nervous was watching your grand final, and, and I can't remember what um, the year was when Trent Crowe hurt himself, hmm. and Trent went off. What must have been like the fifteen minute mark or something like that with his the broken, second quarter. Oh yeah, the yeah, second yeah. quarter, and and you went on to win that game. But I can remember thinking like, if I go off. In like, you know, halfway through the first quarter, because I can't change direction here, and I'm a liability to the team. We lose. That is incredibly selfish of me to put my put myself forward and say, "Pick me." So, um, and unfortunately, I couldn't couldn't test the ankle throughout the week. So, um, just kind of had to go in and and believe that I'm going to be able to do this. But um, you kind of do what you need to do and and play your own. Yeah. Well, off the back of that, I'd love to know. Like, you obviously win the grand final. It's you know, the whole respect of the football world is Sydney Swans. How good is that? And especially the people, um, you know, are in inside the four walls, like the, the absolute respect for what the Sydney Swans were able to do. But I, I thought, oh, no, nah, that, that's the end of your career. Like that, that game there, there's no way that you're going to come back next year knowing that you would have obviously had to have pain-killing injections. You don't play with injuries like that. That's unheard of. So I thought, oh, there's no way – that he'll come back from that. Yeah, well. So how, I'll, how long did it take yeah, you to recover? I, it was still it was still wasn't good after um for the first day of preseason and it's syndesmosis. Um, it's not a great area to have an operation on um, because uh, there's different ways you can do it and scar tissue can cause um, different issues. So the the call was made. We're not going to operate on it, and um, it just wouldn't. It, it just wasn't getting better for ages. So for the rest of my career, like. It repaired to a certain level, but it, it never got 
back to the level that it was. So you would just kind of have to kind of do some adjusting with that with, with how it was taped going forward. But um, uh, it, it certainly did did get get better, and I was l- lucky enough to to go on and play for what, another three or four years after that. There's a chill in the air, but the footy's heating up. And so is Tab's Same Game Multi, where you can combine your favourite AFL markets like head-to-head, anytime goal scorer and total disposals all in the one bet to get bigger odds. It's available all season long on the Tab app and website. Build your AFL Same Game Multi with Tab today. Tab, long may we play. Available online for Tabacan customers only. Gamble responsibly. Call Gambler's Help, 1-800-858-858. Once the final siren went in that grand final, what was the feeling? It's funny, Croft, I don't know what motivates you in you you in your career, you know, over your career, but for me what motivated me was a fear of failure. It wasn't, it wasn't, like, so when the siren, to answer your question, when the siren went, my first thought wasn't, yes, we won this. It was, we didn't lose. And I'm, I'm not saying that's great, but to answer your question, that's what I thought because that's just what mo- motivates me in life and I think it's, it motivates a lot of our other athletes. And, yeah, very quickly that came to is they can't take that from us. We've got this now, yeah. And, and with that visualisation, do you, do you look back now, and, and I'm sure you do at some stage, you, you reflect on – Oh wow! Like mentally, I've taken myself to a whole new space to be able to get through and still contribute to the team, not be a liability because you don't want to go out of the game early because you look like you're selfish and you played for yourself. So, do you look back and go, "Well done, Ted! Great effort to be able to get myself mentally to that stage and physically." You know, you're probably at forty percent of yeah. what you're capable and yet you're still able to go out and play on an AFL field on a grand final on one of the stars of the competition. I I think there's 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 many people probably assume there's not too many life skills that footy teaches you that are as applicable to, you know, life beyond football, you know, in in other careers. But resilience is one and I I had a journal for, for parts of my career that I, I'd go back to um, in those dark times when I thought I was about to be delisted or, you know, when I was being challenged and, and I was unsure kind of how I'm going to be able to, to, to go through this. And, and, and Croft, I think you're within, you, you do kind of go, I've got through the hard things before in the past um, and whatever the next challenge is, I, I can deal with this. You played under three great coaches. Sounds like you didn't have the greatest relationship with Kevin Sheedy, but tell us about your relationship with both Paul Ruse and John Longmire and what made them both special. I am incredibly lucky to, to play under not just three coaches, but three great coaches, three premiership coaches, Sheeds, Ruse and Horse, Longmire. Um, uh, Ruse and Longmire have many similarities in that, you know, um, Horse was a protege to, to Ruse for so long, but they are very they are very different. A Ruse's strength um, is probably similar to Sheeds. Ruse and Sheeds, they could just work the media. They could they could put them in front of a microphone and just so charismatic. And also, you know, put them in front of the the, the, the playing group. And you know that you know it's a, it's a, it's just some of the you know it's just hilarious. Um, Horse is a bit different. He he. I don't think he, you know, enjoys being in, in, in the spotlight like that. 
and horse does his best work, you know, probably more in kind of the, the closer conversations, um, uh, um, behind closed doors. But, um, yes, all, all three coaches, Ruse and, Ruse and, and Longmire, what, what's applicable to them both is being able to achieve success and, and win it, coach a premiership team when no one really thought they were a chance, which is pretty incredible. And you're doing some really good stuff post-footy, including your podcast, The Richards Report. I listened to your one with Chris Judd. It was outstanding. I've never heard Chris Judd so talkative. What got you into <laughs> doing that and how much fun has it been? When I retired from footy at the end of 2016, I, I had about six months off and I... Um, I fell in love with podcasts and I would, I'd, I'd take my, my son for, for walks around Centennial Park every day and I'd just listen to podcasts that were all about investing. And, um, and which is a, he would listen as well? <laughs> <laughs> Starting him early. Um, and, but they're all American and uh, that's not nothing against American podcasts, but it's was like, someone needs to be doing this in Australia. And, and I was like, you know what, I'm going to have a crack and it's not going to be me sitting there telling people how to invest. It's going to be me getting people up that I respect, I've noticed um, out there doing great things and asking them the questions that a lot of our people are embarrassed. Get the gold from them. Yeah, yes, get the gold nuggets and and really help people build some life skills about how they can um, make their money work harder for them or make you know smarter decisions around investing. And... Um, I've done about 50 episodes and I absolutely love it. Um, sometimes it's talking with, you know, Harvard or Wharton professors. Sometimes it's talking about former footballers like Chris and, and what, what they're doing. And sometimes it's talking about fund managers. And um, um, I, I, I really enjoy it. So if, you, if you're interested, check it out. It's called The Richards Report. If you're going to give one bit of financial advice, what would it be? <laughs> okay. If I had to give one... And it's going to probably be the opposite to what people. It's not about everyone focuses in like what is the next best investment or you know um, how can I, I get a higher salary. It's it's not what you earn. It's not about your investment. It's, it's what you burn. It's like people need to focus in on not spending as much. They, if you if that is a that is a, a real achievable way to um um to grow wealth. So on a Sunday morning, go buy an avocado, go home and put on the toast <laughs> instead of paying twenty two dollars to get at a cafe. <laughs> Oh, that smashed Avo story. Doesn't that just seem to... <laughs> I, I'm, like, I'm not going to tell people, you know, on, on, on what works for them, but um, so many people do, do look at that, that high-level number. But um, um, Croft, you know, it's whether we look at the, you know, top items with the um, players we've played in with football, you know, it's, it's not always, always about, you know, players and what they were able to earn when they played football is, you know, what, what people were able to do, you know, with smart decisions whilst they were there too. Do you know what? My advice for you, a multi, a tab, have a nice little multi, you know, don't be too greedy with the odds, just try and, you know, maybe 10 to 1, snag a beauty. Well, lovely segment, Croft, because I'm about to get your tips for Tax the weekend. Free too, that. And while Croft gives us these tips, I want you to think of the Ooh. following answers, Ted, because I'm yep. going to ask you these questions. Your two favourite footy highlights... Your biggest footy regret, the toughest play you've ever oh, played on, geez. and then your favourite food and favourite drink. So you put your thinking hat on, do that, and I'll go to Shane Crawford. Croft, this weekend, what do you like? Well, I'm going to – I went – firstly, can I just say, last week I was horrendous. 
<laughs> it was impossible shocker. last week. Well, but there's no excuses, you know. You just got to get on with it. I was I was terrible. Everywhere I went, I missed even my beloved Hawks and your Swans, hey. Um, but I said Port Adelaide would beat Geelong. Geelong are terrible off the break. Uh, Geelong were amazing, <laughs> weren't they? So I'm following up again. Port Adelaide, I just – I keep coming back to Port Adelaide. I really like them as a team. So uh, they, for me, they'll just get the job done and uh, – they should win convincingly. And I think Hawks and Essendon um, should be a good match. It's down in Tasmania. But I think if Essendon run, that's what Hawthorne don't want. So I think Essendon to beat the Hawks. Oh, he cringed when he said that, didn't he, Ted? Tipping the Bombers to beat his Hawks. So oh. see how we go down in Tasmania. I think I've done it before anyway. Okay, two footy highlights. Um, my favourite footy highlight was, I think it was like round five in 2002. 12 Swans were playing Hawks um, and I kept Buddy Goalers and um, <laughs> it was in the last quarter Ryan Showmakers came down and um, stood next to me and um, um, <laughs> Buddy goes Ryan what are you doing and he goes I've been told to um, tag tag Ted and it was, it was like the only time in my whole <laughs> in my whole career I was ever tagged and I was like I'm playing full back. What do you? What, he thanks. was told to tag you as a full back. As a full back, whilst I was playing on Buddy, and um, so it was the highlight of my career because <laughs> I went, I went into that game just thinking, and did, shit, shit, I hope yeah, Buddy right. doesn't kick there twenty goals on me. And what about you? Did you get a touch while he's running around with you, Ryan? Yeah, like, we, anyway, we were, Buddy we, wouldn't have cared about. No. You. <laughs> <laughs> we went on to have a good win, so that was a story very much about me. But, I like uh, it. Um, um, Probably the first ever fullback to be tagged. I, I don't know about that. I don't know about that. But well, um, seriously, who yeah. else is going to be tagged fullback on a staff full uh, forward? Yeah. And they, uh, you, you've got two players on you. <laughs> well, the um, another answer I'll give, which is a bit less specific, is um, we've spoken enough about the grand finals and things. Is interstate wins, uh, Crawford? I, when you win interstate, it is, and it's that you know that twenty-two against forty thousand, be it Subiaco, you know. Um, Amy Park or wherever, they're just the best. Um, I, re- I really do get nostalgic watching um, Swans win this day and go, I, like, I know that moment in the club rooms when you go back and sing the song. It's, it's probably that the, my, my favourite memory from football. Biggest footy regret? Um, well, we, we spoke about 2006 grand final before and how we lost by a kick. I had a shot at goal that game and missed one, so I love that kick again. Yeah. That's the one that still haunts I've you. Got, uh, I've got a question for you. Adam Goods, uh, incredible player. So what is it like to play with a player like Adam Goods who's been phenomenal, um, you know, an incredible player throughout his career? So what was it like running out with players like that? Uh, it's just so inspiring. So first and foremost, if you, you, you let's put um, Adam Goods, the footballer, aside and just talk about him as the person like he he was a role model that I'd look up to. So um, certainly, you know, I just see um, how he went about everything. I was like, shit, I'm just like, I just want, I just look up to you because he was one of the hardest workers at the club. But then it came to game day and I was playing, you know, fullbacks and a half back and I had the best seat in the house to watch <laughs> some of these moments. And similar to Buddy too, where... Um, you know, the coaches, Ruse and Longmire would look to Goodsy when we were down and go, you know, no pressure, Goodsy. Can you go here yeah, now? Can, can, you can, you, can, can, you, can you drag the team back? And um, 
I can remember the 2006 grand final when I, when I said that you know, we, we went in down, I think it was something like six goals at half time. Start of the third quarter, it was Goodsy that goes, I'm grabbing this team and I'm, I'm, I'm bringing us back. And what, I, what the memory I love is when I'm impressed, but I look to my opponent and their mouth's wide open. And every now and then they'll make a comment, they go, shit, like, <laughs> how good's that bloke? They're in stunned yeah, disbelief yeah, of yeah, what yeah, he's doing. Yeah, An absolute superstar on and off the field. Toughest opponent? It's, well... You it, played it, on an, a lot of good Yeah, players. I know. <laughs> and it's Buddy. Um, it's Buddy. But the, the longer answer that I want to give is, it's not just about being a good forward. It's about being a good forward in a good team because the example that I'll, I'll point to is, you know, Nick Rewalt um, played on Nick for, you know, 15 years or whatever. There were times when, and Nick was always hard player to play on, but there were times when Nick was part of a Saints team that was at the top and shit, they were hard days because he was getting fantastic supply. And there were portions of Nick's career towards the end where Nick wasn't getting great supply and um, if you were just kind of a bit off with Nick, um, that you could get away with it. So, um, whereas Buddy, he, you know, when Buddy was at the peak of his career, he ha- he was he was getting um, fantastic, fantastic delivery by the likes of Croft and others. So, but, yeah. but can you can you explain when you play on someone like who's a freak like mm. Buddy Franklin, because he can run, but he's actually quite quick once he gets going it's like you're like oh my goodness it's like racing you say yeah I because normally when you play on a key forward I'm not saying they're a one-trick pony but normally there is one way they get the majority of their goals um be it uh, contested marks like yeah I think you know Travis Cloak's been on on the show before like you Travis, like you, you don't want to get into an um, a one-on-one wrestle with that gorilla because it's like he'll he'll win every time. So you got to stand off. But with Buddy, it's like he's got so many different ways he's going to get them. You know, you know he'll he'll run up to the wing and turn you around and, and chase back. And deep down the back of your mind, you go, there is a legitimate chance. Like I'm going to be on the back page of the Herald Sun here. We're like. Because I've had ten goals kicked on me, and I'm a laughing stock of Victoria, you know. So he's got. Buddy had an incredible ability to embarrass fullbacks, and uh, it was something I was always conscious of. He's been very, very special, and he's still doing it to this day, which is great to see. Now we're finishing with the two hard hitting questions: favourite food and favourite drink. Uh, okay, favourite food. Um, big fan of donuts. Yeah, so <laughs> got the sweet tooth. Yeah, I've got the sweet like tooth. Out, out of the van. Like uh, the donut nah, van on the highway, Krispy nah, Kreme, man. Nah, like jam yeah. in the middle. Nah, what? Well, get the icing on them. Yeah, that, so um, it's probably not an answer that you were. Um, nah, food for uh, champions. Love yeah. the donuts. Favorite drink? Um, there is a um cognac. Nah, there's a. <laughs> once again, I'm give you going to give you an answer that there is a non-alcoholic beer that I absolutely love called Heaps Normal, and um, I'll I'll. Be fully upfront, full disclosure. I love it so much. I invested in the company. So, um, if you are, if you um, if you're interested um, in heaps normal, check them out. Croft, we might need to have a couple of them. We can well, do an even better job on the yeah, podcast. Absolutely. And one more for uh, everyone that loves to travel. When you're in Sydney, where where should you visit? Is there one place that's a touch different? Not the Opera House or Harbour Bridge. Yeah. Is, is there a pub? Is there a beach? Is there something just off the main? Yeah. That we should go to. Yeah, 
Um, Apart from Centennial Park. Okay, so <laughs> where, where I would go to for like, you know, probably a swim every second day was Bronte Pool. It's 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 my little happy place. I'd just go down there and... and um, beautiful beach, Yeah, it? beautiful beach down there. So um, there's that. But um, there's, there's, there's something... I know we're about to wrap it up, but there's something... Uh, the elephant in the room that we haven't mentioned... Croft and I haven't seen each other since we last caught up with uh with David Beckham. So uh, I, I can't believe oh, that we haven't. Yeah, well, tell us about this. Yeah, I, I can't believe that we haven't uh, mentioned <laughs> this. But uh, Croft and I just caught up with Bex one day for a uh, for a, for a couple of beers. That's yeah. right. I walk into a room and there is uh, Ted Richards just having a good chat with David Beckham. I'm thinking, hang on, who let Ted in here? So uh, <laughs> that was only a few years ago, wasn't it? Uh, Where was it? So it was. Um, it was at an event in Sydney, and um, like I had to pinch myself. I'm like, "What the hell's going on here?" What do you say to you? Well, before I get to that, like I, I seriously <laughs> have to pinch myself. I'm standing there with me, with with David Beckham <laughs> and Shane Crawford, and I'm like, "But the like I the didn't realize Shane Crawford was so small." Is the the 14 year old me <laughs> inside me was losing their mind, and Crawf, the humble Crawf. Introduced me, going, David, you've got to meet Ted. He was an absolute superstar of the game, and and I was like so blown away by that intro. And I was like, the polite thing for me to do is go, no, Shane, um, you are the superstar of the competition. Um, uh, but David, <laughs> ignore what he just said. Crofts won a Brownlow, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. I, I, but, thought, but I, but I just paused. I just, I just let it. I, I just left it there. I just left it there. I go, Thanks for the introduction, Shane. I thought I said this is Ted Richards. He's here to get you a drink, David. What would you like? What was he like, the Spice Boy? He was. Did you ask him a question? I did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he was genuinely fascinated in Aussie rules. Yeah, and um, he he knew a bit about the game. He he knows that it's tough and it's hard and. I knew something was weird was going on when he was asking the questions and it wasn't us asking him. He, he um, yeah. So um, it was a moment where I, I pinched myself. I got a photo to uh, and uh, you know I put it up on Instagram and and, and sent it to my fa- friends and family, and like people thought it was I was at M- Madame Tussauds, yeah, yeah, yeah. the Watch <laughs> Museum. They, they thought it was a <laughs> fake. That no way I could have um, met with um with uh with him. So um yeah, that's a moment I'll never forget, Croft. We'll have to go on your Instagram and get that photo and put the link with this podcast yeah, so yeah. everyone can have a look yep. at you with the Spice Boy, David Beckham. But, Ted, you've been an absolute superstar. Thanks so much for having a chat today on Inside 50. Thanks for having me. And punders, we'll chat again this time next week. There's a chill in the air, but the footy's heating up. And so is Tab's Same Game Multi, where you can combine your favourite AFL markets like head-to-head, anytime goal scorer and total disposals all in the one bet to get bigger odds. It's available all season long on the Tab app and website. Build your AFL Same Game Multi with Tab today. Tab, long may we play. Available online for Tab account customers only. Gamble responsibly. Call Gambler's Help, 1-800-858-858.